We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Welcome, everybody. It's Steve with Sense Fidelum coming at you once again with another book by a bishop you may have heard once or twice if you haven't been living underneath a rock. Your Excellency Bishop Athanasius Snyder, welcome. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever, whenever you are. You're on the other side of the globe. <laughs> yes. Good morning in my time. <laughs> yes, yes. So, how you been? How you doing? Uh, what, what brings you to this book uh, that just came out? Yes, this book was not my idea. It was uh, the journalist, the Polish journalist, uh, Paweł Lisicki from Warsaw. Uh, he asked me uh, to grant him a book-length interview as a kind because he read my first book, Christus Winschit, mm -hmm. uh, with Diane Montagna. Mm -hmm. And he was very much touched uh, and inspired by this book. And he asked me to make a kind of following or deepening the themes and topics which were spoken in the Christus Winschit book to simply to deepen and to widen the, the themes there. And so he approached me and, and visited me uh, in Kazakhstan and I agreed to give him this interview. Why do you think there was the springtime then there? Why is the title that? I mean, that's I know it's a softball question, but what what is the springtime that we were, we were talking about? What did that mean? What does the title mean? Yes, we spoke as already in Christus Winschit, and then here in the springtime that never came, we spoke about uh, the current crisis of the church, which is evident since the since 60 years, since the council time. And uh, we have to stress this, this reality, because the council, the Second Vatican Council was um, convoked by Pope John Twenty-third with, with this idea and with this affirmation that it will be a new Pentecost, a kind of new Pentecost. And uh, even John Paul II, uh, uh, John XXIII said that it will bring a springtime of the church. So, but it, the reality was quite another. And therefore we have, I choose this title simply uh, as, a, as a means to, to end this myth uh, which was spread in the church. And I think today even uh, some modernist 
priests and bishops, they would not to dare to say that today is the springtime of the church, especially after, even if they do not consider uh, the spread of heresies as uh, dangerous or the destruction of the sacredness of liturgy uh, as, as problematic, even if they do not consider this, but at least they will recognize that the the crisis of the uh, sexual abuses, uh, the pedophile crisis within the clergy, uh, it's really a problem. And you cannot uh, state that this is the time of a springtime of the church, at least from this point of view, even if they are not uh, loving the tradition. I've seen when you, you mentioned that about the, uh, I don't say modernist bishops, but uh, two dioceses, one Cincinnati, the other Chicago in the United States, uh, closed, Cincinnati closed like 170 parishes. I think it was like upwards of 70% of parishes. And Chicago closed, I think it was 80 or 90, it's just a tremendous amount. And they both, both acted in their, in the articles, like this was a good thing. And one of them actually used the term a springtime, the unity. We were going to be more missionary. Uh, you would, I would say you, you think missionary would be closing the churches or trying to evangelize people to come back into the churches? I think we have to, to be honest and to use our common sense. Because these people, as you mentioned, these churchmen, they simply deny reality. And this is bordering to cynicism. It's cynical to simply deny reality and to, to proclaim what is, what is evident for even a common sense as um, negative, uh, to proclaim this as positive. So it is typical for for a ideology like the communists when when there were there was for example in the soviet union already uh, so a great crisis uh, of economy and, and and so on and they all and they start they continue to proclaim that the communists brought us uh, wealth and 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 so on it was a contradiction to reality only to maintain their power, their ideological power. And so these churchmen, which you mentioned, they simply deny reality and abuse uh, words only to keep on with their destructive ideology. It's kind of like the gas land that you open up with in the chapter about the closing of the churches in a certain year that we won't go so we don't get banned from YouTube right now. But uh, people would close down the churches and not even think twice of it, just going, what what in what in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? If we believe what we taught, even with holy water, the prayers in holy water will help protect bodily uh, your bodily function, body, soul, health, and all being. And we got rid of that. It's almost like... A, we don't believe what we, uh, it, what was the great line? You you sell the product, but you don't believe in the product. That was in Hitch, the movie Hitch. You might not have seen that. 
But some of us think the churchmen might be selling the product, but don't really believe in it. You get that sense sometimes? Yes. Uh, but they believe another thing. When uh -huh. they use the, the term church or Jesus Christ, these modernist churchmen, I think they, they don't believe uh, in what these, these words really mean in a Catholic manner, in the manner which the church always, which the apostles, the church fathers and the saints and the continuous magisterium understood, they have another, they use the same uh, terminology, but with another understanding, with another content, with a, mostly a Protestant or even a simply worldly content. I've been reading uh, Dom Garanger into the channel poorly, I might add. But in the most last week, he's been really hammering hard. You bring up in the, uh, the book about the French Revolution, uh, and he obviously brings that up as well, and talks about the liberty. Man, man wanting rights, the liberty that man wants, not the true liberty of Christ the King. And even back then, he would talk about people that just did not believe that there's truth, truth deserves rights, that air has no rights, that you can only have truth prevailing for rights of a nation, government, society. How do we get that? Because in one of your chapters, it's, uh, you have, um, what is it? How many religions are true? It's the seventh chapter. How, how can you explain that to a layman who it might not be a easy thing to hear, but it's a true thing. You I mean, uh, somebody brought up a thing. Uh, you can be mean to a person by being kind in their response by lying to them, but that's not being kind to them by lying to them. You can be, you can be hard truth, say the hard truth and still have, have charity, right? Yes. The, the, the topic, the the theme of the of religions, the diversity or the plurality of religions, uh, we we never can uh, accept this as something positive, because this contradicts the first commandment, which God gave us Himself, and this contradicts the entire meaning of the gospel uh, and the incarnation of God and the, the redemption through Christ, because there is only one way to salvation which God had chosen. This is precisely the, the sin of humanity. This is the deepest sin. Uh, to, to reject the will of God and to establish their own will. And to say to God, I will not accept your revelation. I will make my own religion. I will establish how I will worship you. And so this is um, very dangerous. And this is the root of the sin of humanity. And lastly, of Adam and Eve, they chose their own way. Uh, and this is the, the reality of the many religions. So they, they, they did not accept 
the will of God, how to worship him. And this got demonstrated in the Old Testament and already gave the prophets, uh, and Moses and Abraham, and, and revealed them uh, the incarnation, even in a hidden way, but already the coming of his son uh, to redeem the humanity. And then Christ told explicitly, uh, there is, he is the only way, there is no another way. And this should the church, and this is the task of the church to proclaim this will of God, this truth, and to invite all people of all religions to abandon their erroneous way and to return to, to worship God, to venerate him according to his will through the revelation which he gave in, in Jesus Christ. Almost like some people say, uh, we do not want him to rule over us. Exactly. This is the core of, of the sin. And, and to do your own will in matters of religion. And therefore we have to invite people, of course, with, with charity, with conviction, but with a missionary zeal to save their souls, to to spread the glory of God, his holy will. I have a, I used to, I knew this priest, I have it on the screen. He would put a full page ad in the local newspaper on apologetics. So he would add the, the primacy of Peter. And this is in the deep South, in South Carolina, the Bible Belt, 2% Catholic in South Carolina. And one with, this is the one on screen is on the Blessed Sacrament. He's in, he got transferred, but he was in, he would, put this in a free pay, free newspaper and have delegate his congregation. It was a, a war map almost basically. I saw, I, mean, I saw the highlights. He showed me everything. He would tell his, whoever lived in this area, you are in charge of these people on this street. Invite them to fish fry, invite them to Bible study, invite them to apologetics, invite them to mass. Albeit the church was really ugly and his liturgy was terrible. It's, you know, a little girl was an altar girl. They had a banjo up front. It was terrible. I would think if we try, if the traditionalists did things like this and invite people into the mass into their masses, that we would be busting at the seams and needing bigger churches. Yes, I'm agreeing with you, and I would also uh, encourage the traditional. Uh, communities and parishes and chapels really to be missionary to go to this uh, to the people and to invite them to transmit them this unspeakable beauty of the Catholic faith of the liturgy of course we have to to provide for these people some good uh, tools for apologetics catechesis to give them uh, helpful, uh, maybe booklets uh, with this content of apologetics and the Catholic faith. But I think simply the environment of, uh, of the sacredness, of the awe, of reverence in a traditional mass, or special Sunday mass, maybe the Sung mass, will uh, touch many non-Catholics who are sincerely seeking God and 
to to worship him him with uh, with all the heart and so i would really encourage uh, thank you for your advice uh, that catholic traditional catholics also should be more um, active to spread among non-catholics or lapsed catholics uh, invite them to to the traditional liturgy and also catechesis and to organize classes of catechesis or of apologetics. Yeah, there was a, a priest that a sermon once, it was on confession, it was the topic, and he offered a challenge to his parish that the priest would figure out a way to do this, but he challenged everyone in there for one year to bring in one person. Each family had to bring in one person during that calendar year, and the priest would do the uh, classes or figure out what to do. A lot of us, maybe the laity, think that it's the priest's job to do everything. We just go in and just, we, you know, go to Mass, have fun afterwards, and we just, hey, we'll see you next Sunday. Why aren't we as a whole, I don't want to, like, I know people that are doing it. Why do you think that people don't do it? Is it human respect, fear? They don't want to lose any friends or anything, uh, scared for rejection? And we have no problem talking about politics. We have no problem talking about sports. When we talk about, hey, wear a miraculous medal or invite somebody to Mass, uh, we kind of cower down. I mean, Traz are not afraid to say anything on Twitter, but put a uh, Protestant family member or a Protestant in front of them, uh, we never invite anybody. Why do you think that is? I think that um, one of the reasons may be the lack simply of courage and human respect. This is very spread. Uh, and even um, mostly among the clergy, even not only the lay people, and we have to reawaken uh, the gifts which we, as all the lay people, received in the sacrament of the confirmation. And there is the specific gift for the confirmation: is the fortitude, the courage. This is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And so not to be ashamed of Christ. And therefore, in the traditional rite of the confirmation, the bishop is, is giving um, a stroke on your face, saying, peace be with you. It's a symbolic gesture to symbolize that you have not to be ashamed of Christ before nobody. And so I think we have to tell to our brothers and sisters who are confirmed, please awaken your gifts of the Holy Spirit, specifically the courage and to be confessors and confess your faith with humility, of course, but do this, be apostles of Jesus Christ. I remember long ago seeing a uh, video that Bishop Barron put out, and he mentions praying for zeal of the zeal for souls. And he said he made a joke saying, "If you pray for a Maserati, it probably ain't going to happen. But if you pray for zeal for souls, be careful what you ask for. That's gonna that's a prayer that's going to come." Um, how? What are some tips that you could give others to kind of get ready for that? I mean, I've heard others say, you know, before they go into a restaurant or a store they would say Hail Mary saying please open let a door open for somebody to uh ask me about the faith or let me you know get prepared get your mind ready before 
uh, getting out in the public, that that might happen. I mean, say St. Peter says to always, always be prepared to give a, a, hope, a reason for the hope that is in you and do it with cha uh, charity, of course. Uh, how do we make that like the top priority or get our mind ready for that? It's almost like changing our mindset to go out and fish people in, be fishers of men, to bring them to the priests for them to evangelize them even more. For example, I think it would be good in these parishes, traditional parishes or other, to prepare a small pamphlet, really very small, with the basic um, truth of Catholic of the Catholicism, uh, short, and uh, the basic prayers, let us say, uh, which we have. Uh, and the commandments of God. So to make a small a brochure, really small, with these necessary basic uh, elements of faith, the commandments and prayer, some some prayers, and to to carry this with you where you are in the restaurant or uh, um, when you are traveling, when you see uh, some person, to simply to offer him this. And so you will do a great work. Maybe he rejects, but okay, this is his responsibility. But uh, maybe he, the, the majority will probably accept. And then in some day they will look uh, on this uh, paper, on this brochure, and then God can touch the hearts of the people. So we have to have this concern of the salvation of soul of one soul if we even if we uh, could uh, bring to god one soul only it is already worthwhile that we that we did this um, so we have to uh, awaken as you rightly said the zeal for the salvation of souls this is the all the the meaning of the existence of the church here on earth. This is why Christ came to save souls. John Stockton, uh, in an interview, is the NBA uh, Basketball Hall of Famer in the States, played for the Utah Jazz. He, in an interview, uh, he said the church dropped the ball during the last year and a half. How can we pick that ball up and run it? We get all these opportunities. You see the world going to hell in a handbasket. How can we, we have the, if you read the martyr, the lives of the saints, the lives of the martyrs, the joy that they had, the English martyrs, they, they wouldn't even pray with Protestants. They wouldn't even pray in English because they didn't even like the language in it for a prayer. Uh, how do we get that mindset in a modern day, not just the United States, but anywhere in the world? Italy, Frenchmen, etc., to get that zeal of the of our forefathers, the Hall of Famers of our own. Um, what are some tips on that? Obviously, reading their lives, but to imitate, like the guys behind me, the the Carthusians, they just didn't just wake up one day and have that courage. What are prayer, uh, fasting? What are some tips uh, for that to gain that uh, internal fortitude to grow that for the time to come? Yes, the first I think we have to to be conscious, aware what we have, the beauty of the Catholic faith, 
to read again and again the good old catechisms, uh, the good books, the explanation of our faith, and then, uh, as you mentioned, also the the lives of the saints. Uh, specifically, I would advise to read the lives of martyrs of of all times, uh, the examples of them, and this could encourage us. So, and then also the priests, I think, should may should do uh, sermons about the topic of salvation of souls. In the old times, they did more than today. Specific homilies and sermons of the importance of salvation of souls and to be missionaries, as the first Christians were. Um, so this is, I think, very important to, to awaken again this sort of formation of your own faith, continuous reading of, especially of great missionaries, let us say, to read the, the life of St. Francis Xavier. It would be very impressive for all, not only for the priests, and, and similar examples there are. You being in a former communistic, I guess you could say, area, is there a life of the saint that uh, you can see that's kind of paralleling to the times we live in? Yes, it is a parallel because uh, I lived in Soviet uh, dictatorship and the entire life was uh, characterized by the absence of God. It was a society, a materialistic, entirely materialistic society, only concerned with the temporal uh, aspects of life, materialistic, and the, the God was banned completely from the awareness of the society. All the science, religious science, were banned. And so, in this way, we have a parallel in the Western society of our day, the increasing of materialism to be only concerned on the temporal affairs. And these even enter the life of the church, even bishops and the Holy See are doing an agenda which is more concerned with the temporal life, the material life, than the salvation of souls. So this poison of the communism uh, entered very much the life of the church, unfortunately. And the other uh, new form of, I would say, a new form of more developed atheism and communism is in the Western world, um, the attack against family. This was already started by the communism because the spread of abortion, of devotion, it was really uh, very frightening in the in the society of the, of the communist society. The communist society was Soviet Union, the first country in the world that introduced abortion legally. So we have, to, and today, the abortion industry is growing in a, in a frightening way. 
It is really incredible. And this is the work of, of the first communist country in the world. So we are imitating them in the, West, in the Western world today in this point. And then also the devotion was really very much spread by the communists in the Soviet Union, which is today also in the Western society. And then the attack on family, they took the children from the parents oftentimes in Soviet time to educate the children from the kindergarten in the school with the communist ideology were educated completely. And so today the state also takes away the children from, uh, from the parents in the sense that uh, they give this uh, immoral education even in kindergartens, in primary schools, in the schools to the children and to the youth, uh, the immorality of the gender ideology. And, and so um, uh, corrupting morally the children and youth, this is uh, a, a further development of the atheistic, materialistic, communist ideology which we have. And therefore, the words of Our Lady in Fatima, which she said in 1917, that Russia will spread its errors all over the world. It was mean not Russia as a, as a country or, or as a nation, but it was meant the communist system, the communist ideology will be spread all over the world. And today we are witnessing this spread of the communist ideology, which this further developed to the extreme, the positions of the materialism and atheism, which is the destruction of matrimony and family, especially, and the global uh, genocide of the unborn. Now, I can make somebody blackpilled in probably about five minutes with all the news I keep up with and things of that nature. But we're Catholics, so we have hope. And how somebody like, I don't know, maybe looking at the world going, this is so overwhelming. Nobody's fighting on our side, it seems like. It seems like the hierarchy's against us. It's really everyone, contramundum almost. If you look at uh, Gideon in the 300, Lepanto is outnumbered. We've always won with lower numbers. I mean, Gideon won with 300 versus a ton. So it doesn't take a majority, an overwhelming majority, to win in a sense, right? It just takes us being zealous to the point of death to win souls for Christ and do it as greatly as we can and let God figure out the rest. So we, how, do you, how do you bring somebody to not lose hope? Yes, uh, a Christian is by definition a person of hope. Otherwise, if we, if we would not have, have hope and trust and confidence and the conviction that we are the winners, we, will, we would be not be true Christians and Catholics. And God was always using it, his method, using the, the low one, the little one, to, to make to fulfill his great works in the history of salvation. St. Gregory of Nazianz 
he spoke this phrase once in the fourth century when the overwhelming majority of the bishops accepted the fashion of the day, the Arianism or semi-Arianism, out of conformism or political correctness, he spoke this phrase, God is not delighted in the numbers. And, and our Lord also said the words to us and to the entire church, do not be, af do not be not afraid, little flock. So the little flock, it, it will be always be the church. And this is the method of God. And, um, and the, the temptation of the church leaders and the churchmen is always, they are afraid to be in small number, to be the minority. And therefore, they develop within themselves a complex of inferiority because they are not so uh, numerous. And, and then they are therefore then making compromises with the world, with the majority. And this is also one of the reasons of our current crisis within the church. So we have to be uh, convinced that God is always using the little ones, the small number, to fulfill his great works, because ulti ultimately it is God who is winning. We are the instruments. I was thinking of uh, Leon Pont, the Venerable Leon Pont, when, when you were saying that he would give away St. Benedict medals like hotcakes uh, to people. Just give them to people. And uh, Maximum Colby obviously would do the same thing with the Miraculous Medal and would say, let the Immaculate uh, work it out. And uh, you hear about like even the conversion of, uh, I got him on the wall and I can't think of his name right now, the Miraculous Conversion of Alphonse Rasburn, a That's friend of his. A friend of his just gave him a medal and asked him to say a prayer and something simple and won his soul and he became, and look what he did. And, uh, what are, uh, I guess, what are some advice to not be scared to give out miraculous medals and St. Benedict medals, uh, et cetera, and teach somebody to pray for them or pray for them, obviously. And... Of course, we, we have not only to, to distribute the medals, when we, when we give the medals, to miraculous medal or Saint Benedict, we have to also to pray for this person at least a short prayer before or after we gave for him this. It's very necessary because the graces um, we have to implore the graces. When you, and this is the method of God. He is he he is desiring to con, to grant us graces. But we have to implore them, we have to ask. And so in this case also, maybe to when we give this medal, uh, maybe with a, at least we can put there the prayer of, of uh, Hail Mary or the medal of St. Benedict, the prayer of our Father, that the people have something then to pray at least. Otherwise, it would be not uh, not full 
not complete such an action of evangelization. It is, should be always, when we give medals, also in the sense of evangelization. I look at it, the uh, final thing, I look at it as kind of like uh, I played ball sports all my life. So if you really wanted to make a team or make the starting lineup, you did everything you can or could to better yourself, to make your teammates better, to uh, make sure your body's well, your heart's well, your your physical being is well. Everything you can, you're working eight to ten hours a day practicing, etc. The will to do it is like the uh, line about St. Thomas saying to his sister about when she said, uh, how do I become a saint? You will it. It's about the same for evangelization. You want, you have to want to help others, to save other souls, to bring people into Christ. It's not just a habit or a, a thing you do on the side job. This is something you got to literally want to do. How do you establish that? I know that's a million dollar question, but how do you get that in somebody? Like, I, you need to do this, not just say it, but to do it. Yes, this is the question of love. When you really love the faith in Christ, when you really love the neighbor, his soul, his salvation of soul, the good of his soul, then you will do this. Uh, it will impel you. St. Paul says this beautiful phrase, Caritas Christi Urget Nos. It means the, the love of Christ is is moving us, is, is moving me. And so this love should move you to, to concrete actions. As people are moved to help, let us say, the poor people on the street, the homeless or others, they are moved by their misery. And so you also should develop in you the love for your neighbor, for the misery, of his soul, which is even worse than the misery of the body. Your Excellency, thank you for your time. Can we get a final blessing before you go? Yes. Dominus nobiscum. Ecum spiritu. Et benedictio Dei omnipotentis patris, et filii, et spiritus sancti descendat super vos, et maneat semper. Amen. Thank you very much. And everyone, the show notes beneath the video will have the link to his book, uh, The Springtime That Never Was. Uh, get it at Sophia Institute Press. And again, thank you for watching. And Your Excellency, thank you again for your time. You're welcome.